Welcome to the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, leader, passionate community advocate, and at the end of the day, I'm a human being who loves to learn, be creative, and who admittedly makes mistakes along the way. Over the past 18 years, I've worked with a lot of leaders and teams, and while many have thrived, some have faltered or even become well, toxic. And I've realized this is not unique to me. In fact, we've all been there. So I'm on a mission to help leaders become the leaders they want to be, to create a thriving, sustainable culture, which inspires their team and helps them and their businesses succeed. This show will offer insights and interviews with various like-minded leaders who are all inspiring their teams, having those uncomfortable conversations, investing in development, and building a culture of gratitude and value. They're making an impact every day. My goal is to motivate you to think about the type of leader you most desire becoming and inspire you to connect, engage, and develop your teams ultimately showing up for them so they show up for you building intentional conscious leadership we can totally do this all right let's go welcome to this week's episode of teams with edge my guest today is andrew grubb and i am very excited to have this conversation which i know will be interesting informative Probably um, it'll be insightful, but also will likely be a little humorous. So let me introduce our guest. Andrew has 15 years of experience as an innovation and technology leader across both large enterprise and startups, where he has combined coaching, education, design thinking, and startup lean thinking initiatives to drive workplace transformation at scale. He has lectured at Ryerson University's Masters of Digital Media program and is active in startup advisory. Andrew specializes in transformation and change. He has launched, governed, and managed numerous transformation initiatives. He designs and runs workshops on business preparation around advanced technologies, as well as performs keynote presentations for larger corporate clients on the topic of agile woes and agile transformation. So I am very excited to welcome today's guest, Andrew. Oh, I mean, first of all, it's just an honor to be interviewed by Ashley Livingston. Um, you're, you're a legend in the neighborhood. Yeah, I should preface that Andrew and I are neighbors. Um, so... So we are familiar with each other. Yes, indeed. Um, no, so I think it's great. I think what you're doing is you're driving a lot of really important conversations. Um, and, you know, funny enough, that's kind of an important part of, of what I do. So I, I kind of had a hard time labeling what I do for a long time. It's hard for me to describe it. And, and luckily, the idea of employee experience design is now kind of part of our vocabulary because you know two years ago no one really understood what that meant and I probably wasn't super comfortable labeling myself as that but fundamentally what it is is thinking about how people spend their time at work and then making that you know 
let's just say, better or good or as good as it can be for themselves, for the business, for customers, for kind of all the stakeholders in the entire ecosystem. Um, I generally touch, if you think about a business, I touch everything aside from revenue. So the way that people work, the way that the business gets done, that's under my umbrella. Awesome. And I feel like this has become, well, we've obviously had more and more conversations about this over the past year. And, you know, I think that's going to really drive our conversation today is what are those modern views of how people are spending their time at work and what has shifted so much? Because we know that there's been a shift. We see people leaving their jobs. We see people just quitting and going into early retirement. We see people leaving and doing nothing, maybe taking a gap year that they, they never took, or just going on to find something better aligned for themselves and their family. So, you know, let's chat a little bit about what's been happening. I mean, there's some pretty obvious symptoms out there. Um, there's, you know, I think you kind of mentioned it, maybe it was just in our chat, but the, the, the idea of the great resignation and how, you know, more and more people are quitting the quitting their jobs, um, something like 4 million people a month quit their jobs in the US. And what's what's fascinating about that is that same number of people aren't re-entering the workforce. So mm-hmm. you don't have a like a like a net neutral number. You have the workforce actually shrinking. But it's not that people are unemployed. It's not like they're making no money. It's just how they choose to make their money is is different. And there is a uh, there's still kind of like evolving research and evidence around this, but I think even Adam Grant is still kind of in the middle of some of his work. And he's, and if you don't know Adam Grant, he's like one of those, you know, big, big thinkers, big talkers um, uh, out, of, out of the US. And he's, you know, very well respected, a lot of great things to say. Um, but f- fundamental to a lot of the, the shift is this desire for autonomy or flexibility in, in what you do, just how you spend your time. And, and I think, um, you know, what's fascinating is it can be very, very simple. These are very complex ecosystems and very complex problems, but there are like very, very simple ideas embedded within them. And, and there's been like a couple little like hints at what's going on. Not that there's one thing that's going on. Um, there's, there's things like, like Microsoft did a study a while ago and they found that high, high levels of productivity are masking an exhausted workforce. And then uh, Daniel Pink, another kind of management guru, author guy, he, he did a, uh, I don't know, it's more of a thought piece, I guess, from him. But really what it came down to for him, this like one of the, the biggest catalysts for this great resignation was that people, people like employees are having ideas and they're giving suggestions and feedback to their managers and leaders within an organization. And it's just being ignored. So it's just mm-hmm. feedback that goes unheard. And those are like really, really simple things. If, if you ask someone for their opinion, you better be willing to listen to it and do something about it. And if you don't, well, there's a bunch of consequences that follow beyond that. Yeah. And so I guess that's kind of, let's start there with, with being unheard because, you know, we do, we've collaborated on, you know, a few projects and are talking to leaders out there right now. And a lot of them will tell you that they are asking for feedback and they are listening to their people. But then when we talk to the people, 
they still feel unheard. So where's the gap? Uh, good question. In your humble opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have my, my opinion on this. Um, I think, and this isn't like a great answer, um, but it's my answer. So you, you're, gonna, you're stuck with it. Uh, I think a big part of it is just an inability to ask good questions. I think that it's it's really easy to hide behind a survey or a number of questions or just the fact that you you asked, but if you didn't ask a good question, then you're not really going to get an honest or good answer. Yeah. And it's things like like I think bad examples of questions are you know how satisfied are you at work? It's like well sure you know maybe I'll give a good answer or a bad answer, but does it actually tell you anything? Um, Pre-pandemic, I, I found one of the most, uh, it, it's so simple, but like one of the most interesting cultural questions I found, and this is again, pre-pandemic when most people were in offices, was just how many days a week do you like to work from home? And, mm. and that was an indicator, like the, the answer, because there's no right or wrong answer, it's, you know, one to five. Um, and, and it was just an indicator for how people like to kind of live their life how work fits within it, what their family structure looks like, whether you have, um, like there were so many stories of, of people with like ailing parents or grandparents or new children or new marriage. Like it's just all this context gets bundled into tiny little answers. And then you dig into that and say, great, well, what is it? Like, what is the, you know, what will get you in the office one more day a week? Or do we want to do that? And then just being curious and following a line of questioning instead of just asking a dumb question. Yeah. Not caring about the answer. Well, I think that's part of it, right? I talk a lot about people asking questions or, you know, engaging with their team or their clients as like more of a box checking, like to-do list, as opposed to a truly interested in building a relationship. And, you know, then it's no surprise when folks leave their jobs and, you know, unfortunately though, that it tends to always end up being the employees, you know, I don't want to say fault, but it gets pinned on the employee and then the leader never really has to change. Mm-hmm. We just kind of, I don't know. I keep seeing that cycle constantly repeating itself. I, I think it's hard. Like, I think what I'm kind of like teasing out of what you say is, and this is just what's coming to mind is like industries where there's like an expertise. So that like a professional services type of industry and generally hierarchy is is put in place based on expertise so as you're a better mm-hmm. lawyer you become a partner a managing partner and right. maybe you lead a team of people but in no way is the hierarchy correlated to leadership ability but for some reason as your expertise is is recognized and validated based on a hierarchy well that means that your opinion is is more important especially your your opinion about how people are feeling and how people are doing and when your junior clerk leaves and they tell you why you're like well yeah but they've only been in the workforce for two years what do they know it's mm. the wrong lens they've been a human their entire life just as the senior partner has been a human their entire life we have our own desires to you know have like an emotional connection and and under like have like an emotional intelligence uh like skill set that we kind of have to consider everyone's opinion equally and we have to listen to people Yes. So that's a good segue into kind of one of the other, you know, questions is how, how does a leader, because sometimes, you know, it can 
feel almost daunting to take on a leadership role, right? There's a lot of responsibility that comes comes with with leadership. And if most leaders haven't actually been trained in leadership, which I think is fair to say is the case, but you know, at what point are we listening and taking everyone, like including everyone's feedback to the point where it's still relevant versus now we're just listening to complaining all the time? It's an interesting question. I think- um, Am I asking good questions, Andrew? Because I feel like that was kind of your goal here. Oh, of course, it's always my goal. And I love your questions, Ashley. Um, I, I think what's, like, I know we were chatting about this and, and for mm-hmm. those kind of listening in, like there was a bit of context behind that question. And the idea being that there's a lot of like programs in place to like, let's say, you know, I don't want to say modernize workforces, but new, new ways of kind of, um, you know, uh, I guess, introducing leadership training and training people in certain concepts. And, and it, that's great. And the idea of inclusivity came up. Um, and so at what point are people included enough? And then we have to kind of recognize the limitations of their perspectives. I think that's a really hard thing to do. Like, it's easy for us to talk about it. Like, one thing I'm always cognizant of when I'm like working with clients is, you know, as, as an, as an external, like management consultant, Mm -hmm. my clients, like what we talk about is my entire life. That's everything I think about and do. And I represent a tiny part of their lives. And I have to always remind myself of that is that there's like expectations that I'm going to be throwing stuff at them. And like our conversation is a great example of that. Like that's a very sophisticated idea to expect people to understand that there's like an inflection point between like including people in a conversation and then understanding when you shouldn't. That's really like, that takes a lot of skill or practice um, to actually recognize those scenarios. And I think the one thing I would say, so I'm kind of giving you a non-answer, but it's an interesting conversation. The one thing I would say is um, in general, what I find is a very general statement I know is that when we're trying to introduce a capability into an organization, it could be like an individual, like a hard skill, soft skill. It could be like an organizational capability. What I find a lot of companies do is they, they, they'll, they'll, you know, introduce a model, maybe through an external firm or maybe themselves or whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. And they want to perfect this model. So they, they want to memorize it. They want like the agile model. They want to just memor- they want to know exactly how it works. And that's fine. But that's only a small part of actually being good at something. Um, I I have this kind of reflex where I want to breed familiarity with a model, but I don't want perfection. I want to actively look for opportunities to practice it Mm. because I'm a big believer in habits. And it's one thing to read all the white papers on, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion. But until you start inviting people to the table and shutting up when they speak, then you won't actually understand what inclusivity means and what diversity and equity means until you start experiencing it and then and only then after like i guess i don't know whatever the milestone is where it's time or 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 milestone based i should say then you can start understanding what limitations it has but you have to get good at it first that comes through practice well exactly and i think that you know a lot of what i keep repeating on this podcast is is the practice is the building those healthy habits, um, taking action. And 
you know, I, I hate when people try and perfect something because oftentimes that is actually what holds you back from even taking the first step. And, you know, when I see so many people leaving their jobs or I hear that people are going to be leaving their jobs, you know, I have a bit of a, I guess, rescuer, like I want to fix it. Huh. And I, I wish that there was like a magic pill or a magic way to make workplaces happier. Um, but really it does come with having to take some action and having to implement some new strategies and not just, you know, not just keep going back to the old, I'm air quoting, old ways of doing things or those traditional forms Mm -hmm. of leadership because they are not working in this modern workforce anymore. Would you agree? I would agree. I think I I think about what you say in, in like a simple quote which is be curious not judgmental mm. and and the lack of curiosity is i mean forget about leadership and management and companies i think it's like this is just a personal opinion but i think a lack of curiosity is 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 prevalent everywhere in our society not everywhere but in a lot of places in our society and and it personally it kind of it kind of irks me um, but i absolutely see it up so i see it show up in uh in business Yeah. And that's, you know, a tough one, right? Like even the trying to operate without judgment, like that's a skill and you have to know, like a lot of people don't even know when they are judging, Mm. right? Like they don't, they don't know because again, I think Adam Grant says this, the whole think again, because you have never had to think differently. And Mm. when you have to question your own judgments that can really throw you for a bit of a loop and i think that's exhausting for a lot of people mm-hmm. it's a lot of Absolutely. work <laughs> who would have thought who would have thought right i want to actually go back to something you said and ask you a question um if that's okay absolutely so you mentioned jumping into fixer mode and mm-hmm. and i don't want to pull on that at all but what but there's a, a but a i'm curious- going to <laughs> Maybe a little, but uh, a curiosity I have is, and this is, this isn't up for like, like, I can't answer this. You can't answer this. It's whatever, whoever owns the business or is in like a leadership capacity, this is their answer. Um, but what, what is the ideal turnover rate in your mm. company? And, and the answer is zero. Yeah. You don't want people to stay there forever. Um, but what is it? And, and I think that's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I think it, it depends on your industry as well. So I'm, you know, for, for me, I would love my team. I'm going to do it based on years and not percentages because I would love my team to be with me, you know, any given time, like three years, because it gives them enough time to see a whole year cycle gets us kind of in the groove, um, year number two, they're developing relationships. I've been able to completely delegate to them and probably year number three, they're getting curious or being a bit more innovative. Um, and I think we've just like hit our groove a bit more, Mm. um, that if I was to introduce somebody new into the team at that point, we would have our sit, like we would it would be an easier transition for me and depending on what they're doing in my business, they may have hit their, their limit. 
for what I, what I need from them. Right. Or they've maybe mm. learned what they can, um, unless I have like a growth opportunity specifically, but for, it's about relationships to me. And, and depending on the industry, if you have team members who are relationship holders, like external relationship holders, those people are hugely vital to your business. And if you are into having to introduce somebody new to a relationship every six months, every year, and that, you know, there's a lot of work on the end of your client to up, you know, catch everyone else up to date on what they want. So I'm not really sure I answered it fully, but well, it's I about think you the relationship. It. But I, yeah, I'm with you. And I think fundamentally, like the answer what I heard was you have an intention behind it. Mm. You've thought about it and you know what you want. You know what good looks like. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's part of, you know, what not frustrates me, but, you know, hurts me when I see employees who start a new job. And I'm sure that there's so many people out there who've changed jobs during the pandemic and they've actually taken on new roles thinking the grass is greener. And I know that they have called their old employers back saying, mm. oh no, what did I do? Right, what did I do? This actually isn't a better job. This isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. So like, where are people going wrong? Or- I, Is that I, wrong? Like I think, I think by going and having a bad experience, you at least have had that experience. It's, it's like traveling. Like mm-hmm. travel is a great educator. They've, they've traveled from one company to another. They've experienced the transition, the emotional journey they went on, and then the cultural journey they went on. And, and maybe they didn't like the destination, so they went back home. But at yeah. least they tried. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I guess my question is, is how do, why are we not being more transparent in what our culture is when we're interviewing? And I think, you know, too, as an, as a person seeking a new role, where's our due diligence in making sure it's the right fit? Oh, that is like, it's like lightning in a bottle, that question. I love it. I, I think that it just, people don't do themselves enough of a, of a service by interviewing the company. I know yeah. we talk about it, people say the words, but I don't think people actually do a good job understanding what companies are good fits. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of it, I know I'm like, I'm a broken record. A lot of it comes down to having the right questions to yeah. ask. And, and it's not that, and I'm not trying to criticize companies or people or whomever. It, you know, there's this like, it's like a paradox of choice. There's an infinite number of questions that we can ask at any given time. Why, how do I know to pick the next one? And it's tough. It's really, really hard to do. It's paralyzing. And, and I think having a good start, having like at least, least even just two or three questions that you know you want to ask that, that really get to like the heart and soul of, of Yeah, like what, not about benefits is. and vacation time, yeah. right? No, like that doesn't count stats. as a question. Yeah. Right? No. That's always anytime somebody says, yes, I do have my questions prepared because we've drilled it into people's heads that during the interview process, you have to ask questions, right? Like this is now a bit of a given 
that the person you are interviewing is going to ask you questions. But when they ask you what are the benefits or what's the vacation time or, you know, that that doesn't count. Maybe that's a bit too harsh. It's not overly valuable. It's not going to tell you anything about what it's like to work for me or for that Mm. person. It's really, it's really not going to get you what you're looking for. I agree. I I think a part of this, and this is like a a weird reference, but there's this like this guy named John Danner, who's like this like elite jujitsu coach. Um, And he had this really interesting, he's like a bit of a, uh, uh, people consider him a bit of a philosopher as well, I think, but he had this really interesting kind of idea and it sort of shows up, I think, in our conversation, which is, you know, in, in, in human history, you know, humanity during a period of time, um, their goal was to survive. It was survival. And then once we figured, and that was hard, it was really mm-hmm. hard to do to survive. Um, hunter-gatherer days. Um, and then, you know, the industrial revolution happened, you know, whatever, t- tons of time later. And, and we've kind of flipped into this next wave um, of, of, let's say, like, uh, threat or goal and and you know we've we've transitioned from survival to meaning and while we thought survival was hard finding meaning in life is infinitely harder mm. and when certain things are given then we now have to we have time to kind of sit back and think and question things and I think that as we go into the workforce that I, I feel like our conversation that's kind of showing up things like salary benefits vacation those are the those are the stats. Those are the survival based mechanisms. Everything else is well. How, how am I going to enjoy my time? Will I be engaged? Like, will I feel um, happy? You know, is it going to be a psychologically rich experience? I don't know. Will I, mean, I belong there? Yeah, but I think that that's you know it, that's a really good you know learning out of this is those those pieces about work are given right? Like you said, the salary, the benefit, like all of that and hiring and, you know, seeking new employment opportunities based on meaning is, it is going to be so different for everybody. And it, it's really quite a, a powerful way to look at it. And I wonder though, how many companies and specifically, let's even like narrow it down, like some of the big companies who have tons and tons of money to invest in creating these cultures and these, you know, best places to work things. That's different. But for the small businesses who just don't necessarily have access or, you know, have the, the knowledge to be able to to create and hire based on meaning? Like what is a couple of things that they can start to implement in their hiring process or in their own culture? Like I actually had somebody today say, yes, we want to create a culture. That was it. There was no- Good good starting point. (laughs) Oh, I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, you already have a culture. (laughs) You don't, right? That's, anyway, that was another- but that's, how do you go about starting down this path? So I think um, I've got a, a couple of responses. So one, the idea of culture, I think first it's like, we need to forget about what culture you want to create. What the hell does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I like, I've kind of adopted a very simple definition of culture. It's, it's what people do when you're not watching. That, that's kind of the, to me, the bare bones of culture is that's one of the kind of 
um, mm -hmm. like symptoms of it, if you will, of, of good or bad culture. Um, but I think kind of back to your, your question, um, th again, just the way I look at it is like, I think it's really important for business owners or leaders in general to understand like why they're hiring someone. It, especially as a small business owner, like I think, you know, I know how to, I know how to make money with my business. Like I know how to go meet customers and, and get money out of them. My job, my expertise is not knowing how to run a business and engage people necessarily. So I ask my team for that. Like mm -hmm. if, if I'm not hiring you to go expand market, I want my company to deliver better. And that could be more efficiently. It could be with better cash flow. Depends on what your goals are. Well, I'm going to hire that expertise and I'm going to let them go. Like I'm going to go let them go, not let them go, <laughs> you know, fire them day one. No, I'm going to like yeah. let them like free reign, right? Yeah. Like I think, I think Jim Collins. I, I think, think you Collins, meant like yeah. empower them to go and do what you hired them to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's not always up to you to define. Mm. Like it's really good to define the goals and the outcomes, but the process by which you get there. I mean, I, I'm not a process expert. So I, I would I would hope that I could bring someone on who can help me build a better process to run my business. And like my job blows, as a good leader is to listen to them. That's where I think the gap is. In, in my humble opinion is there are so many leaders who in theory, they hear this and they think, yeah, that's what I want. But in reality, they can't fully delegate or you know, give that accountability and empowerment to their team members because they don't actually trust them enough mm. to follow through. And, and a lack of trust is a part of a culture. Mm -hmm. Right. It's all, it's like a, a big giant circle, right? Is if you can't trust your team to do it, they know that. And then they're not actually going to be able to do it mm. or reach their full potential and that they're going to prove you right yeah. and not trusting this, them, right? It's like this constant self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. 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 And then absolutely. you have these, these issues of I'm not being empowered to do my work. I want to be more innovative. I'm not being heard. So I'm going to leave. But really, nobody's following through on what they truly want. I, I think what's, what's unfortunate I was going to have a very positive response, but I'll switch to a negative one. I think what's unfortunate is like there are some businesses that maybe don't deserve to be a part of the future. And, mm. and that's really, that's a harsh view, but much to, you know, kind of our conversation about like being a fixer and having like 0% versus greater than 0% turnover rate. Sometimes we just have to recognize that businesses or leaders who don't adapt will not be a part of the future. That's just our reality. And obviously we don't want to leave people alone. We want to give them every chance. We want to lead them. We want to pull them in, but change mm -hmm. is a pull, not a push. You can't push people into the future. You can only pull them. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like somebody has used um, something similar about being, you know, the lighthouse, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or you know, are you a lighthouse or are you a tugboat, right? And to what point are you you know, kind of showing people the way versus dragging them along with you. Interesting. I like that. That's mm. But I also, you know, think about those businesses that, you know, it's so, 
natural for them to think, yes, I need to hire a bookkeeper because why would I do my own books? And yes, of course I need to hire a lawyer because I'm not going to write up my own legal documents. But when it comes to, you know, employee engagement or client experience and all of the relationship pieces and leadership, you know, training, why do you think there's such a barrier to people taking action? I I have had this annoying conversation, not our annoying conversation, this annoying (laughs) conversation with so many people that there's like, and it's based on like a, why do we need a head of marketing or why do we need a head of innovation, which I don't think companies need. And I used to have that role. And my response is always, well, how can you like, so it's like, there's always that, like, what's the ROI? What's the justification? And so I I always respond with, well, what's the, like, what's the ROI of your head of finance or your CFO? These are, these are support functions. They're not revenue generating, they're support functions. And a lot of the time, the value they bring is cost avoidance or cost optimization, something like that, right? Like with respect to, let's say like, um, like a high performance workforce. Um, I know we were kind of chatting about, chatting about this a few times and you can tease me about it. Um, the idea of like absenteeism is measurable. So when people don't show up, we know, right? Mm-hmm. But the idea of presenteeism is less measurable, which is when people show up but are non-productive. So how, they're how do sitting we at their desk for the eight hours because yeah. that's what you've asked them to do. And, and if if works if work is structured to measure inputs, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Inputs and maybe outcomes, but if or not not outcome, outputs, inputs and maybe even outputs is like the next level. But outcomes is really what you want. You want someone to do something that generates an outcome yeah and and that's really what what it comes down to i don't think i answered your question you didn't but that's okay it was a good dodge of a hard question as to why yeah i i think it's again kind of you did sort of touch on it about the revenue generating and a lot of times, you know, folks don't think about how much money it costs your business when an employee leaves. Mm-hmm. Because it, they just see it as a natural part of business, right? I think so many of us have been raised in dysfunctional businesses, right? Not in even just, just, I know I was going to say that too, but <laughs> I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Um, but we've just been <laughs> raised in dysfunctional businesses that we think it's normal to fight with your colleagues, right? We think it's normal to complain about work and hate and complain about your boss and never truly be satisfied. And maybe, I, I don't know, I'm trying to be positive. And I think- I've, I've seen the fact that like, I actually really love what I do and it doesn't have to suck. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have, you know, you don't have to have fighting and complaining and all of that. I don't know. But I think a lot of people think it's normal and that they don't need help with it because it's normal. It's possible. I I think what's interesting is like, it's not like those of us who grew up and have worked for amazing companies. Like I know we're being kind of like negative and critical about a lot yeah. of businesses. And, and there are, there's a, you know, a, a huge amount of companies that are fantastic. You know, the cultures are great or like however you want to measure it or, or analyze it based on our conversation. 
and and sometimes those people leave and then they join a firm that isn't isn't so great and that's like an amazing opportunity for those not so great companies to to get better right yep um but it's but even the good ones they don't they didn't just like set up a culture and then walk away it's a it's a continuous improvement process like a a big Mm -hmm. piece of positive engaging autonomous maybe even self-managed cultures is the idea of like if you're going to like let's say discover a trend within your business and you're going to take three months to do it like one quarter you don't have three dots on that line you don't have a monthly check-in and then that's your trend no you have a continuous line you have constant check-ins constant communication so that you know where your business is going or or where a person is going or how capable somebody is or isn't um it's there's there's something there's like a fabric underneath which is you know constant communication um you you touched on the idea of transparency i think transparency is an interesting one because where i have seen so transparency is it's it's a really good word Mm -hmm. i think that it needs definition and where i see it showing up whenever people complain about lack of transparency is generally that people don't understand or it hasn't been communicated the rationale behind decisions yeah. whether it benefits them or doesn't they don't understand the rationale because they don't understand the rationale they think that something's being hidden from them yeah they're being um, even if it out. benefits them even if it benefits them even if i'm getting bonuses and, and and i'm like winning trips no problems but there's still something missing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what do you think as we kind of start to wrap up i have a couple questions for you what what can be done to sort of course correct this great resignation hire a good consultant no i'm just kidding. <laughs> um no i, I honestly think no it's like very what's simple. it yeah what's it gonna take like yeah, what's it gonna I, I take think it is so damn simple just be curious like, and I know that's kind of a stupid answer, but literally just ask, like having an open dialogue with your people and just seeing where they are. Um, and you don't have to overthink it. It's, it's to me, to me, I've always found power in the offline conversation. Like I, anytime I join a new firm, the first thing I do is I take people out to coffee or out to a bar. I get people the hell out of the office and you change the environment, you change the context and you just kind of like, listen. You just have conversations and listen. And and that's, I think first it takes understanding. Let's go with that. There's yeah. my tagline. Well, and I'm going to put it on to, so it's not, you know, in my opinion, just up to the leader. I think that if employees, um, people want to see change, they too need to be open. And it's a tricky balance, right? This, all this like vulnerability and trust and belonging and, you know, all of, all of those Brene Brown kind of key points is how do you start to trust a leader who maybe you didn't trust before, but if they are willing to be curious and they're willing and they're open to trying something new, I think we also need to extend them the grace Uh and, and, you know, I'm not saying like you have to go deep right away. No. <laughs> um, no, just, I, th- I think a little bit. Like, yeah. 
there's like a couple lenses that are that are important I mean to me anyway and and I think about like a team lens so like one of my favorite kind of high performance team lenses is that you know there's kind of three categories three pillars if you will you know does the team have an identity um, mm. trust and a sense of efficacy like do they believe other people are good at their job and if you have those three things those are three important things I'm not saying I'm not wouldn't suggest that if you have those three the team will be successful but if you look at those three and one of them is obviously missing, well, there's, that's where you need to focus your time. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it's creating very simple views to, to look at what's going on and then just diving into that. Yeah. Yeah. Being willing to take the first step, I think is, is important and understanding too, that this is going to keep changing right like we're it's going to keep evolving and there's going to be new things you are going to lose people but I think if you can cut down how many people you're losing in a given time and and when you're hiring new people it's like how are you bringing them on board and what what a great opportunity to start to really you know kind of absorb your culture create something new with a new team um, but every new employee is a new chance to, to do better. Oh, for sure. I, I, I live by the, the saying of like, every time you, every time you make a hiring or firing decision, it's a message to the organization about what you value. Hmm. And, and I think that, that we need to, and we need to not just do that, but then talk about it. Like when you, when you fire someone, you should tell the team why you fired them. If they don't, if they don't already know, and I know there's a lot of like policies surrounding like what words we can use, especially in larger organizations, but it's really good that the rest of the team knows you did it for them. Yeah, I, I see that as probably a very hard, I, hard conversation, but I, it's, I agree. Like it's, it's so important because, you know, again, it brings people in together and, you know. I think we just have to keep humanizing things and being willing to talk about the things that make us very uncomfortable. Oh yeah. I think so on that, that's a good segue into like one of the first questions I like asking, mm. which is, do you believe that the people who created your problems are the same ones to solve them? Mm. And oftentimes the answer is no. Um, and so we have tough decisions to make at this point. Um, once those decisions are made, and these are more executive level people, um, then you can start operating under the assumption that I did a good job hiring people, I believe in my people, and then recognizing the capability gaps that exist within people and the business. Right. And then yeah. you can start solving. That's, that's my overly simplified way of total business transformation. Two steps. Two steps. That's <laughs> hire Andrew. It's two steps. No problem. <laughs> I'm sure it's way more complicated than that. Well, this conversation definitely, like most of the conversations you and I have, went a few different ways. But I think, you know, ultimately, we want leaders to know that it is possible, right? To be curious, to listen with an open mind, ask really good questions, um, but really listen to, to that feedback and keep practicing. Right. Keep practicing. And to the employees out there, you too can ask questions, right? Mm. Before you take a, a big leap to another organization, 
you know, where you think the grass is greener, make sure you know what you are looking for and where you're going to find meaning in that new company. Um, and it's all about the questions. Is that a good way to sum it up? I love it. Love that. Don't, don't be afraid to admit you don't know. Yeah. Especially as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Andrew, where can people find more of you? Because I know on the form you said ICQ, which I'm sure most of our listeners don't even know what ICQ was. And that shows how old you are. Oh, come on. Just you. Just me. Right. I, <laughs> I definitely did not have an ICQ. <laughs> I, I laughed still, because I, oh, I did. Up until like a couple of years ago, I still remembered my ICQ like number, like login name. And every now and again, you that, that little, uh-oh. uh-oh. Every yeah. now and again, I hear it. I was like, I look around. Like, yes, <laughs> for up. sure. But um, other than ICQ, um, where can people learn more about you? So best way, I mean, LinkedIn is always good, but also I have a website um, called insidejob.agency. Um, my partner and I um, are a dynamic duo, and we primarily focus on, uh, you know, small overly simplified small-scale workforce transformation generally within smaller businesses because I feel like smaller businesses don't always get the opportunity mm-hmm. to engage fairly smart people like myself and you know my partner's way smarter than me your partner sounds like a very tolerant person incredibly anyway newsflash everyone the partner is me Andrew and I are running and because we both love to keep busy. So, um, and I say busy in a very intentional way of that we both like to make a lot of impact in a lot of different areas. So, um, we, what, what's safe to say busy? No, I, I actually like caught myself saying the word. Um, we like to make impact. So check us out. Um, I will put all of the information in the show notes. Um, and connect with Andrew. He's usually got something, you know, brewing on, on LinkedIn. And if you can ever catch him uh, for a coffee or a beer, it's usually an interesting hour. Ooh. That's a I'll good way that. to end it. There you go. I like it. That's as close as it's going to get to a compliment there. But thanks everyone for listening today. And if you have any questions, as always, reach out, um, share your comments with us and uh, make sure you share this podcast and uh, let us know what you think. Andrew's waving. No one can see it. Bye everyone. Bye. What might be holding you back from becoming the leader you know you can be? Whether it's conflicting priorities, time, or maybe you just need a little guidance. There's hope. You can do it. If you're interested in creating a team that thrives, reach out. Let's chat about what we can do together. I'd also love to hear from you about this podcast, about your challenges and successes as a leader. We can learn together how to inspire each other and build the culture we want in our work and ultimately our lives. So connect with me through Instagram. You can find me at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-E dot Livingstone, L-I-V, I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E or reach out by email at ashley at ourforte.ca. And remember, there's always two E's at the end of my name.